But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be maligned, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, very popular or very famous portion of Scripture. Thank God it is. And it says, it, it says this, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal and restore their land. And so God here is giving us a promise. He said, if you do your part as the church. Now I understand that this verse was used a lot before Trump was elected the first time in 2016. However, can we apply this to the church? Absolutely not. And my people, in the context of this passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, who are my people? Let's start in verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's palace and successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and his palace. Clearly, that's Jewish context. The house of the Lord was not built in the church. Verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Talking about the temple. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, again, context, where was the temple? Israel, Jerusalem, and my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, who are my people? Why are we putting the church in this spot right now? who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Verse 15. Now my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, even to do according to all that I have commanded you, I will keep my statutes and my ordinances. Then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with your father David, saying, You shall not lack a man to be ruler in Israel. The whole context of this passage is not what this gentleman is going to be talking about. 
The church is not in this passage, and I hate to bust your bubble, but neither is America. And I guarantee you, I will hear it, I will forgive, and I will heal and restore the land of your life. I don't believe healing and restoration begins and ends in Washington. I believe, I be, I believe healing and restoration begins right in the house of God. Judgment begins in the house of God. Forgiveness and healing and restoration begins in the house of God. When we get our house in order, the cities, the nations, and the kingdoms of this world will call our God the Christ. And they will bow their knees when we get our house in order. Clap like you believe the word of God is true. That God has the power to heal our land. There is no nation too far gone that God cannot restore and heal. But he needs us to stand in the gap and do our part through humility. But he needs us to stand in the gap and do our part through humility. But he needs us to stand in the gap. But he needs us. But he needs us to stand in the gap. So this next part here, I'm very concerned on why he claims he got saved. And this is a very gray area. But if you're getting saved because you found out a purpose, well, anyway, let, let's just hear what led him down his supposed road of salvation. When I first got saved, I heard the pastor say that, and it shocked me because of my back, my background. I was, when I was a little kid, I was abandoned by my dad and then abused by my stepfather, and so I just became a very evil person. You talk about demon-possessed fully. I was evil. And God had to deliver me. But when I got to my, my pastor's church, he preached a message, Jeremiah chapter 1. If I get emotional, it's not that I'm sad. I just, I'm grateful. And he preached a message that, that God has a plan for your life. Then he preached out of Jeremiah 29, 11. That's plans to give you a hope and plans to give you a future. Plans to prosper you. And in my mind, I thought I was like cursed. I said, I'm sure God has plans, but to hurt me, to destroy me, look at my life. I felt like I was cursed. But when he said that, my spirit jumped up and I received it. And I said, you know what? If God has a plan for me, then I want that plan. You don't have the faintest idea of what you're talking about. And part of that plan for my life was to have a beautiful wife, Elizabeth, my Japanese queen. Come on. Part of that plan was to be a father to my, be my three beautiful children, Joshua, Joy, and Noah. Part of that plan was for me to be a pastor, a minister, to carry a, an apostolic grace, to build God's kingdom, an army. But then as I began to serve God, I realized there was a call that was above those calls. And that was the calling of Christ. And that calling wasn't just for me in particular. That calling was for every single person that calls themselves a born-again Christian. And that's why point number one is we're called to, by God to be an army of soul winners and disciple makers. Yes, I'm called to be a husband. Yes, I'm called to be a father. I'm a businessman, so I believe that's part of my entrepreneurial grace. And I use a lot of my finances to further the kingdom of God. 
And I believe I have a grace of an apostolic grace to build God's kingdom. But before those callings, I have another calling. And that's the calling that Jesus gave to those disciples right before he left this earth. He sat, it wasn't just 12. It was many more than 12. It was 400 if you study it. Okay then, let's study it. Mark chapter 16. Afterward, and this is verse 14. So afterward, he appeared to the 11. Oh, wait. Is that 400? Oh, wait. Let me reread that. Mark 16, 14. Afterward, he appeared to the 11. Oh, I... I must not know my numbers. Well, let's go to another chapter. Maybe it's just not there. Okay, hold on. Why don't we try Luke chapter... 24. Yeah, so in Luke chapter 24, let's just pick it up in, oh, I don't know, 33. And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the 11 and those who were with them. I I doubt they had a gathering of 300 and something people. Let's see. So how about the beginning of Acts? I, I think Acts is a great place to be because that's the birth of the church. Let's pick it up, I don't know, in verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven and after he had been led by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. So keeping that in context, I'm assuming from what we just read, 11, 11, it was the 11, because remember, then they had to choose the 12, and we're not going to get into that topic here on this week's RLE. To these, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together and they were asking him, Lord, is it time that you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? Can just hear their excitement. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even the remotest parts of the earth. And after he has said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they, I doubt it was 400 people, were gazing intently into the sky while he was going. Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, men of Galilee. Oh, wait. So men. Okay, yeah, that's now 400 just miraculously appear. Why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Then they... Return to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they, 
the effect. We're staying. That is... Oh my gosh. Wait, they're naming all 400 people right now. Wait a second. Here we go, the 400 people. That is... Peter, and John, and James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Harry, and Susie, and Bob, and Michael, and whoever this guy is, and Kim, and all these other people. Oh, wait a second. It's not listing another 380-something names. Oh, no, no, no. Let me count that. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon. <gasps> Here's the 11th is Judas, the son of James. And then it was at this point they needed to choose the 12th. <gasps> oh my gosh. I guess I didn't study that further enough. This is why we all need to be Bereans. Yes, I'm being sarcastic. Because if we just dove into the Bible, we're not going to add another 300 and something people to the number of 11 apostolic power was for the apostles when the apostles died that power went with them it's not a gray area it is black and white okay i'm done there's 400 there and he looked at all 400 and he says he rose from the dead and he said all authority not some authority not poquito authority come on now all authority it's like when you go get a burrito when I go get a burrito, I don't say, oh, just keep. I say, con todo. Everything. Throw, throw the chihuahua in there. Throw it all in there. Come on, so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry, I like dogs. I'm just playing. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I like to. <laughs> That's what he told the disciples. He said, all authority. Not a little bit. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he turned around and said, and now I give it to you oh gosh guys this week is my commentary week okay that is not what the scripture verse says matthew chapter 28 verse 13 uh i'm lying i'm starting in 18 and jesus came up and spoke to them the same 11 saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth verse 19 go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age uh yeah no dude that's not wow okay we're almost done with him okay but anyway just crack open the bible right just crack it open and truth is right there How many believe that you have been given all authority? I don't accept that. That there's no devil, there's no demon, there's no there's no bondage that's greater than the authority that God has given to every believer. Every believer. The moment you got born again, those that just got saved, got baptized, they got all power over the enemy. All authority. They may have to learn it and walk in it, but the moment they receive Christ, they step into that full rank of authority and power. All authority. Come on, clap like you have all authority. All authority. They telling you lies. <laughs>